When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. My favorite, it's Judd's Hockey Show. And welcome into a Judd's Hockey Show. Zolgad and uh, Declan Goff, as always. And uh, we thought for a long period of time, Declan Goff, that we weren't going to be doing a Judd's Hockey Show tonight. <laughs> it looked like the Wild was going to lose 1-0 uh, um, against the an Islanders team that uh, looks very happy playing a style of hockey. The New Jersey Devils became very familiar and successful with but it's boring as hell in the 90s the wild comes back uh gets a shorthanded goal from goudreau gets a uh, goal from sam Steele to take the lead and then finally an empty net goal all in the third period from kuro kaprizov and they come away with the 3-1 win their three-game losing streak is over so i want to start with this um the first period i thought the wild play probably more structured than they did against the Rangers, who are a very talented team a couple nights ago in the loss. Um, but yet I didn't think that they played again, to go back to a term that we used a lot a couple nights ago against the Rangers decks, a heavy enough game. I thought, I mean, they lost a lot of board battles again, and that's the Islanders specialize in that crap. The Islanders then got a goal, which is great. Good for them. Second period, I liked what the Wild did a little bit more, um, and they started to take the play to... New York, which they should. Third period, I thought was really good. And I want to talk about the uh, game tying short and a goal by Goudreau, but I don't want to talk about him. I want to talk about the play Yul Eriksson Ek made because I thought that that was a like when you talk about compete and effort and playing a heavy style of game, that penalty kill, Eriksson Ek jarred the puck loose and it looked like he was going to have a two on one. He then lost control of it. Islanders kept the puck in, and instead of sort of like punting and giving up decks, Erickson Eck went right back at that puck, got yep. it back, broke away while being harassed. So, like, it was not a, a clean uh, breakaway. He's being, if not hooked down, he's certainly being bothered um, and makes a gorgeous pass, and that goal ties the game. And if I am the Wild, and in particular Dean, I absolutely love that goal because that is the exact type of goal. And that play by Eck to me is, is what defines a game like this. Cause tonight wasn't pretty tonight was, how can I put this nicely? A belay, uh, a belabored game. It was a heavy game. Uh, there was not a, a lot of ice and the Islanders were very happy to actually spend the last two periods playing prevent defense, which I absolutely hate. Um, and that goal that tied the game up to me was like a huge defining point of what you need to see in a game like this. And 
last thing. I think it's the type of play that we have not seen in the past couple weeks nearly enough from this team. Yeah, I think that would have been a horrendous loss if you were uh, going to exit that game down one nothing, outshoot them almost 3-1. to one. The only goal that you gave up was a fluky, weird, random goal that just bounces off a stick and don't uh, of Gusman sick and finds the back of twine. Um, so yeah, it would have been a pretty, you know, lay your head head and your shoulders kind of loss. But they were able to rally and they were able to compete back, which was great. Yeah, I mean, I didn't love their game for the majority of it for sixty minutes tonight, but in the third period, it, it they were able to deliver and you know their power play opportunities. You have to convert those. It felt a lot like last year. Uh, where they just weren't able to convert some big time power play opportunities. And when you're getting all those opportunities, which the wild had, you do have to convert those, but yes, Joel Erickson X basically compete level. And look, both those guys, him and Goudreau, I think the wild now have the second most shorthanded goals in the NHL this season. They have a knack for that. And, you know, chef Zolgad has been calling for teams to play a little bit more aggressive on the penalty kill for years. He asked Bill Guerin about that. Even um, a few times he's come on the show. I was really it it was all, it was all Eck. And I mean, I know hockey is such a bang bang sport. It's hard to see. Looking at that review, how 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 do how would how did we miss that? I mean, the, his glove is in the GD net. It's it's completely in the net. I can't that's believe so bang bang. I I, guess, I thought but... Louis like I think that's a goal, and I thought I don't know that they have the the visual evidence that's conclusive enough to call it that. Fortunately, they did. I was skeptical. I was very skeptical. Uh, but that's, you know what, that's exactly why that mechanism's there. Um, but I think the bang, bang at first I thought, did that puck go on net or like to the side of the net? And then as we got a view, it was clear that he had dragged his, his, uh, um, his glove in, but Sorokin, by the way, oh wow. He's what a, a fantastic one. game. That I mean, was a big league game from the uh, Islander goaltender. I mean, both both New York goaltenders are ble- uh, both New York hockey fan bases. Whether you're an Isles fan or a Rangers oh. fan, I mean, you're blessed with two of probably the best goaltenders in the NHL right now. And and yeah, I mean, look, he stood in his head all game, so it wasn't the fact that wow, we're, if they you know if they lost to some slappy as we like to say, and they put up those you know 38 shots, that's one thing. They were going against Sorokin, who's a very good goalie, but I thought just with how they were putting shots on net how they had numerous power play opportunities. I'm glad they got the win tonight. Yeah. Two, I've seen a lot of comments in our YouTube section that say, you know, two points is two points. This is a, yeah. this is a win. And I don't, I won't apologize for the win either, but yeah, this Absolutely. would have been, I, I wouldn't say start to move that panic meter, but if this was a loss, I think tomorrow's podcast or the next following episode of Judd's Hawk show would have been, a, all right, where do we go from here after basically not having a regulation win in almost a full week? Yeah. And it, I mean, at least um, a couple of nights ago, you lost a shootout. You got a point. Uh, you lost in in regulation to St. Louis. The game before that, though, Buffalo OT, and you got a point. But I, yeah, I thought tonight was um, impressive because of perseverance. Because in the first period, again, I'm like, are they really? Are they going to get? You know, are they going to lose board battles so consistently? And the Islanders, I mean, next, you just don't in today's league now. And this is a very, very good thing. How many teams do you see, especially at home, go into a prevent in the second period? Because that's what they did. I mean, Louis ta- talked about it on the Bally's broadcast or telecast, and he's exactly right. You know, they were very happy to chip the puck out and just keep chipping it out and chipping it out. And the one thing that I will say is I think that emboldened the wild forwards, including the first line, to forecheck more and to be more aggressive. 
And so it did feel like the Wild, if they got a break, which they, they did through hard work, that's a credit to Eck, but it felt like if they got a break, that they were they had a, a good chance. It didn't. I wasn't real concerned, and Gustafson played well, but I wasn't real concerned that it was going to be like a 3 nothing Islander win. It wasn't no. the type of game where, where you're like, oh, man, the, you know, the Islanders struggled to generate offense, and Gustafson made, I would say, what, five or six really quality saves? Oh, yeah. He was good, man. yeah. Which was huge. All year. But, yeah, exactly. But this was a game where I think you got to be very pleased with the resilience because it's, it's a type of game where you easily could have left, you know, with another tough loss, potentially, and not – you know, even gotten the point and you didn't. Um, what do you make of this power play? Okay. What's the happy medium? And we've seen this before between trying to look for shooting lines. All right. Setting plays up and shooting the damn puck. Uh, Kaprizov had a great shot on a late power play in the third period, but there was also, I think, a, I think he tried to pass once and it's like, Kirill. Dude, you've got the shot. And I just, I'm a little bit flummoxed at times power play wise. It it just feels like they try at different times to get so cute. And if they just shoot the puck, it creates opportunities because it creates rebounds. It creates deflections, blah, blah, blah. Um, And so there's got to be like a happy medium somewhere where, okay, I get that you're trying to set plays up, but shooting the puck is what you need to do. And they, I don't know if it's consistent, but it feels like there is a long stretch of time or there's stretches of time decks where they get away from that. You can't have power play opportunities basically wasted on the board there. And that's kind of what happened um, tonight. And you, and you definitely don't want to be in a situation where when you get all those power play opportunities that the wild had, you can't waste them. Um, so hopefully the wild can kind of figure out a way to, to not waste those opportunities and yeah, not get too cute in the power play. And hopefully uh, the next time that they don't, uh, they don't waste those opportunities either. Yeah, I mean, just for the most part, shoot the damn puck. Just shoot the puck. See what happens. I understand that you're trying to find lanes, and I get that in this league today, the goal is to is to basically gum up the works and block shots. Uh, but it feels like there comes a time where it's like you don't have to get that cute. Um, all right, I got a question for, for you that we didn't get to, and I don't think we got to it after the Ranger game, but I think it's worth talking about. Jordan Greenway, did, did you see Russo's report? why he was scratched came out against the blues. According to Mike, he was scratched because he showed up late. It sounds like he showed up at like five o'clock for a six o'clock game. Cause when Dean talked about that post game, Dean was very like, I, like he said, he, I think his Dean's words were, he, he was very cautious and his words were something like he wasn't available. That's all I'm going to say. And ordinarily Dean doesn't give you much, but he will say, you know, guy sick upper or lower body. And in this case, he said he wasn't available for tonight's game. And then Mike re- uh, reported, I think, the next day or two days after that, that uh, Jordan had shown up late, uh, and so he he was scratched, which really put them in a pickle because they were already down a forward for that game. It's why they dressed Goligoski as a seventh defenseman. Uh, it was, I guess, the second time during the course of the season at some point. He also had uh, been late. Now, I think this is when Jordan was hurt, so it didn't get out publicly, but of course, that still bugs the team. Um where do you stand with this one? Because I feel like Jordan has gotten a lot of chances. I feel like there's been a patience. And look, 
when he's going well and the grief line is playing well, I'm not trying to doubt that there is a importance that he brings. All right. But I also think that Bill Guerin and Dean Everson to a large extent as well have gone about trying to really set a tone, right? A culture Mm -hmm. to use Phil's favorite word. And that culture, when when you have a guy um, who is showing up an hour before face off is being violated. If it's a one-time thing, I think that might be okay. But if it's a multiple time thing, um, I got to think that Bill Guerin and company are just about at the end here with this. I don't know. I don't know when you've done as much work, especially as this team's done to clean things up and to have an accountable team that you can have one guy go rogue a couple of times, three times, and the pattern continues and then go back in that room and say, but everybody else here is accountable. What are your thoughts? Yeah, that that's kind of not acceptable. And, you know, I think Green Bay's saving grace was always, yes, there's there's an area of his game that has to be better. And, and Garen tried to get that more out of him when he sat him down. What was that last year, a year and a half ago now? The years kind of blend together. Um, but now with those off the ice issues, I mean, if you're not performing and then, and then and just in general, whether you're performing or not, if you're bringing the off the ice baggage and not taking those things seriously, well, that's actually going to be more even detrimental to what you're doing day in and day out. And I'm not sure if you saw this, our guy Zeke sent us this on Twitter, right as actually we were recording today. Um, but during the TSN broadcast tonight uh, on the Senators game, apparently the Sens have interest in Matt Dumba. I have seen that. That came out a couple of days ago. I believe it was talked about perhaps on Hockey Night in Canada on Sunday. Yes. And I that, did see that. Uh, I've been scouting the, them. The Sens have been scouting the Wild and yep. Wild maybe scouting the Sens. And I believe Jacob Chikrin uh, could be someone even that could be potentially brought back here in a return like that. So, yeah, it's, it's going to start to heat up here. So, what, we're about seven weeks, I believe, from the NHL trade so deadline. Chikrin where? To, to the Sens or where? To, to, uh, to Minnesota. Chikrin Jacob could be. Jacob Chikrin? Could be, yeah. Well, that price—that's that, a big price tag, baby. Yeah, I mean, that's a huge price tag. I—I I don't think the Wild w- would pay the freight for the return to to the uh, Coyotes. I mean, but it's a hell of a player if you do. Um, yeah, I mean, the Wild have had interest in him before too, so I think that's where yeah. some of that stems from. But yes, um, dumb things out there. But as we get closer here to the deadline, which is now about seven weeks away, I mean, now the you know the it's called hot stove in baseball. You know, when when you're in the early parts of free agency, I mean, now this hot stove of of MLB or of NHL trade deadline stuff is really going to start to pick up. And yeah, I mean, if, if, if Greenway is not taking things seriously and look, you can kind of trim some of the fat from your salary cap issues and from your locker room issues and make your team better. I think Garen is probably very likely to do so. I think Dumba is, is very likely gone, but I think it's because of, of the fact that there are going to be uh, potential replacements there. And I think that is a hockey on ice decision. The Greenway thing, again, I'll go back to Dean and Bill have done a ton of work to change this team. And that's a culture thing. That's an off-ice thing. Like, I don't care what a guy brings um, unless he's Kaprizov. I don't care, you know, if you bring a big physical presence and can score some goals, that's great. But if you show up late, that's a problem. The Dumba thing, I, I really do think, I don't think it's lip service, Declan, to say that Dumba has done a great job of of maturing. Um, I think he's done a good job of of becoming a very popular guy in that room. All of that being said, I think the going theory is he's not going to come back. He's going to be too expensive. 
And so at this point in time too, and it's not like he is a great player. So get something. So the Sens actually make a ton of sense because the Sens have the room, right? So they've got the cap room. They could lock him up. The Wild could get, you know, preferably something in, in return as opposed to Matt walking away. And and it's not like Matt, like if, if the Wild does, I'm going to say it slowly, win a playoff series. If the Wild, you know, wins a playoff series, it's not going to be like you looked at Dumba and said, Oh my God, he helped them win. So yes, that makes a ton of sense. I got another one, but uh, before I do, I want to talk to you about discipline because you know what? Jordan Greenway lacks discipline. And I used to too. That, that my friends is sports dad. And the guy on the left is before, before my friends at Livia Weight Control Centers helped me drop 40 pounds. The guy on the right, well, he's the skinnier Judd and he's the guy that dropped that weight. And you know what, folks, if I can do it, so can you. And right now it's a great time to start. This is no quick fix too. It's a long-term solution because it's not a diet. Livia Weight Control Centers. That's right. There's a big difference between diet center and weight control. The dietitians there are fantastic. The, the actual program is as simple as it gets. What it basically takes though is, is following it on a day-to-day basis and then the best part once the weight's gone they're going to help you as well keep that weight off and if you mention judd when you call them or contact them the judd offer gives you 50 percent off the program 855 go livia livia.com l-i-v-e-a.com mention my name and score north 50 percent off the new you in the new year all right i've been crafting this and we've talked about it in passing but i've been crafting this mentally all right, so Greenway, let's say Greenway's gone because I just don't want to put up with this stuff. Um, how about this, all right? Remember about a month and a half ago, and this sort of got lost because guys came back, but about a month and a half or two months ago, there was a report, I think Russo started it, um, when he talked to Bill Guerin, and Bill Guerin said, I am looking for another top six winger or a scorer, top six forward. Think about this. Greenway gone. Um, Hartman, who in my opinion is not a top six guy. I don't know what you think about him. He, I don't think he's any, I, I think he's a bottom six guy who is good in that role. Hartman goes to the grief line. It might not be as good, but again, if you're taking a distraction out of the room, I'm fine with that. And you re-engage, you re-engage when you're talking about Dumba, Greenway in trying to get a guy that can score on that second line. So now you've got Boldy, another guy, a legitimate top six guy. Because you know what? To your credit, okay? It's become quite clear. And it did a while ago, but it's really clear now. Regression. The old regression has hit Hartman and Felino with a a big slash, a big stick, a big bang, okay? So if you were to introduce a top six legitimate guy that could get you some points and goals, I'm not saying Goudreau is great. I don't love him, but I think that, you know, in the Wilds philosophy that we just need a couple of guys that can score, if Greenway's gone, if Dumba's gone, I think you could justify and make that work cap-wise. And I think your team is stronger then, even if Hartman then, who is a grinder, he's a grinder, he's not a scorer. If he goes to the grief line and plays on the wing with, uh, in this case, then probably Felino on the left side and Eric Sadek at center. Your thoughts. 
Yeah, I mean, I like the idea of putting Hartman there because he has a workman's type, and I think it just it it fit in. It would work. Um, I'm with you. I I don't really think Ryan Hartman, despite the 30 plus goals last year, uh, I I think yes, that was more of an anomaly. I I don't think that's consistent. Um, and he has had a very good career and a very good role with the Wild of being a bottom six dude before that explosion last year. And we're kind of seeing that's a fluke. It was a fluke. And if and if they truly really trusted him, they would put him back with Kirill and Zuccarello, and they haven't. Um, so I, I like that. Now, who could they get to buy at the trade deadline? I know our guy on the YouTube channel, GAO007, says Troy Terry. They're not um, trading Troy Terry. I don't believe. The Ducks aren't going to trade him. The Ducks will do that either. Um, no. Good player. But Ducks no, could I, be great in about two years, by the way. Yeah, so I, I think they would hold on to him. But yeah, I mean, they, they could be buyers. You also could, I mean, I, I don't think they're going to rush them, but you could call back up Rossi. Hell, you could call up Sammy Walker if that's more of a if that's more of a safer play. You, there, there's internal options you could make too. But yes, I, I love the idea of getting a legitimate top six dude that would, in theory, then help Matt Boldy, who definitely is gripping the stick a little bit more and just frustrated and goes through these streaks where he doesn't score. He's now, what, 13 straight games? He hasn't yeah. scored a goal. Or one goal, excuse me. One goal in 13 games. That's it. Yeah. I thought he made some nice plays tonight. But, yes, he definitely – he's definitely pressing. And I, and I think I know why. Like, it's not that hard to see why. He has more skill than the majority of guys he plays with. And I think he gets frustrated. That's not ideal. But, um, yeah, I think if you were to put him with a guy that could legitimately set him up, it changes things. And I also think, as far as the playoffs go, that gives you – a much better chance to go into the playoffs with more confidence in your lines. My issue is this right now with Hartman on that line. It feels like right now it's gumming up the works. Like if like, and, and you know, because Dean's Dean and I'm not trying to say that this guy's great. Okay. But because Dean's Dean Shaw's being scratched, I'll tell you what right now, to go back to what you just said, I would be very curious if you brought Walker back up and installed him with Boldy and Goudreau, I th- I honestly think, and I know that, you know, Hartman scored some goals, so I'm not saying that he's a complete waste of uh, time, but I honestly think that Sammy Walker's play fits Boldy more. Mm-hmm. And Goudreau's a guy. Like, yeah, he's like a hard-working jag. Yeah. Yeah, he's a hard, yeah, it's a good way to look. He's a hard-working guy. And even like John, he works his ass off. And that Golden Knight was nice, but he is a jag who works his butt off, and that's awesome. And John, right on our YouTube channel here, says where Boldy is overcompensating for the lack of skill on that line. And it's yeah. true. It, it is. There's no not, there isn't enough natural skill on that line to help Matt Boldy. And he needed Kevin Fiala last year. And to a degree, Fiala needed Matt Boldy as well to get both their games rolling. Um, but I think a guy like Walker might complement his skill set better. It's not like Sammy Walker is a as a walking, waiting, sleeping giant that's going to score twenty to thirty speed. goals. But the speed. speed is is huge, and I think we saw it in a small sample size this year that that it worked out really well too. Yeah, because that line right now goes grinder, grinder, skill guy. Mm-hmm. And I think you need, in fairness, in hockey now, I think to make that line to maximize it. I think if you went. If you went guy with speed, young guy, not a, you know, at this point in time, Sammy wouldn't be considered a finished product, but he's got some skill. Grinder, skill guy. I think that would be better. And I mean, just for the most part, 
Ryan Hartman is a grinder. Uh, last question, because I you you are really good at, at this. So I got a question that I'm going to try and get ahead of this. I don't know what the answer is, though. All right. So you called early. I think it was last year. You're you're like, be careful because Felino and Hartman probably aren't going to be able to continue on the paces that they were on at the time. And to their credit, they basically kept it up for the it season. Yep. But then it, you know, but it definitely has waned uh, in a big way since then. So my question to you is this. Uh, Sam Steele. Yeah. Like, no, but but what's the, what's the outlook there? Because, uh, you know, like yeah. Lou was saying tonight, first round pick of the Ducks, didn't get a chance. I really like him. Um, I think Sam Steele is great when he when he doesn't try to be Kaprizov or Mats because he's just not. Um, his goal tonight was very nice. But what do you what what say you about Sam Steele when you look at what he's doing? Because it's pretty good right now. I I wouldn't say I'm trying to sell the stock. I'm more gonna ride out this stock. I'm more gonna see where it's gonna go. Is it? Is it just riding up a little bit right here and, and you bought it at a low price and it's a nice it's a nice place to be in? Or is is this actually going to be something that explodes because he's been playing with such good playmakers, obviously, in Kirill Kaprizov and uh, Matt Zuccarello? I don't know how I feel yet about Sam Steele. Yes, he's a former first-round pick. I will say yes, that he didn't have the same opportunities that Ryan Hartman had, who was also a late first-round pick when he was with Chicago. Um, I need to see a little bit more. I need to see a little bit more, but he is 24 years old. He didn't get a fair shake in Anaheim because the Anaheim Ducks are terrible. So I like the upside more, probably because I know what's, I, I, I want to see what more Sam Steele can be. Mm-hmm. But I don't know if he's like this insanely diamond in a rough yet. I, I need to see more. I, I need that. I see people on our YouTube comment section saying, well, he's better than Tyson Jost, and that was a better acquisition. And, and that was right. I thought Tyson Jost was going to be potentially a more of a sleeping giant because of him being bogged down in Colorado. He did score a goal, I believe, tonight in Ottawa. Uh, but I need, see, I, I, need, I need to see. I need to in Buffalo. I need to see a little bit more. Um, so how much more? Like, can I get an, a response in like two weeks, a month? When, when can I get a response? Because the Felino and Hartman calls were impressive. I'd like to... I'd well, like to feel like we're going to get the same. For, well, from, the Flino uh, Hartman calls, though, were, were statistics that just in hockey that don't keep up unless you're superstar players. And and Felino, God bless him, is not a superstar player. Hartman is not a superstar player. So those regression statistics that are always prime shooting percentage, um, always being a big culprit of one, are always good to say, hey, regression could be coming here. I need, I just don't know if this is the case yet with Sam Steele. Don't know. Gotcha. Right, maybe, was... maybe a month. Maybe a month. Okay. Fair enough. Uh, Sports Bulls a- asks about uh, the possible acquisition from the Vancouver Canucks of a guy that we talked about all last year, JT Miller. I can tell you right now, he just signed a huge contract. The Wild can't afford him. No. So, like, when when we talk about potential, like, second-line guys, um, it's going to have to be, if they do it, it's going to have to be crafted very carefully. So, like, you can't... This team doesn't have the ability. They basically... I believe remain in salary cap hell for three more years after this one. So they're not going to have the ability to make a splash trade that is going to be like, Oh, I can't believe that they got this guy. It's going to have to be very carefully crafted, probably on a guy 
if they think that they can make a run, probably on a guy that is his contract is coming up or doesn't have much time left. Uh, but as far as like as far as the Canucks fire sale goes, um, I don't. First of all, I don't think they're going to trade JT. Second of all, if they do, the Wild can't touch him. Bo Horvat is a name yeah. that's intriguing, well. and his contract is coming up. So like he, they can't pay him, but he would be make no mistake a rental. Yep, that's a rental. Um, Wild couldn't afford to keep him. I will say this last. Um, Going back to Sam Steele quick, I mean, yeah, 13 points in 14 games coming into tonight alone. Um, and he's been more of a facilitator. So if he can facilitate, and by the way, that is easy to do when you play with Matt Zicarello right. and Kirill Kaprizov. Know your role. Then that's fine. Then there is consistency there, and then I can say, yeah, that's pretty dang good. He's not shooting a lot. He doesn't have a high shooting percentage. He's not going to be relied upon to shoot a lot necessarily. So if if the role is to be also like, the second facilitator to Kirill Kaprizov and playing second fiddle to Matt Zuccarello. And yeah, there's a nice career there. Um, but I don't know if it's, if it's someone that is a, a superstar in the making necessarily either. He's a nice role player and it fits in well on the Bo Horvat, JT Miller. Yeah. I would stay away from JT um, from the contracts not stay away. If they had the resources to do it and the cap space, yeah. well, that's a different conversation. Yep. Um, Bo Horvat. Oh, it, it just depends on the price and then how willing is Huge price. How willing is Garen then to potentially lock him up? No. Is he able to? I don't think they can. I I mean, if the cap would go up exponentially one of these bleeping years, then I'm all for it. But Dex, I think we're what due to have it uh, be raised by a million dollars for 2023, 24. Is that correct? Yeah. A million bucks. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. You're screwed. You're screwed. In fact, that, of course, watching Zach Parisi hoof it around the ice tonight <sighs> made me feel real good about that one. All right, wrap it up for us. Appreciate y'all watching. Yep, hit the uh, subscribe button for Daily Minnesota Sports Entertainment right here on Score North. This is Judd's Hockey Show, and and um, you know what? I, I'm safe to say this, I think. Next week, there's going to be some reinforcements on Judd's Hockey Show. Line change. It's going to be, It's it's been Judd and Dex for a long time. Yep. Gonna be a the last change. two and a half few years. Well, speaking of reinforcements, speaking of buyers at the trade deadline. Yep. The room is being, let's just say that there might've been some friction uh, in the room. Yeah. And we're going to have a Schism. bit of a shakeup. Schism. <laughs> Schism in the Schism. room. Yep. Brett Favre. That's right. So yeah, maybe, uh, maybe some goalie rotations, maybe a new first line center here and there. So stay tuned. Maybe next week for Judd's hockey show to find out what the hell I'm talking about. Uh, and hit the subscribe button too, for daily Minnesota sports entertainment. And of course, pass, shoot, score. You know, there's no room for petty bull****.